Hello, everybody. It's Chris here from the Two True Freaks podcast, and we're starting a new thing here at Two True Freaks. Uh, Every once in a while, we're going to have a featured podcast where we find a podcast by somebody else that we like, and we put it on our feed for you to check out and with a link on our website to that, that page so you can go listen to their podcast if you like it. This month, our featured podcast is Luke Giaconetti's Earth Destruction Directive. It's a podcast all about Japanese giant monsters, Godzilla, Mothra, Rodan, Gamera, and more. And the episode we're putting up is actually the first Gamera episode, which I believe is episode number five. Um, Luke, if you recall, or if you've heard any of the, the Two True Freaks podcasts, is a regular on the Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror. And we'll even be showing up this month in a Media Masochist episode um, with a movie to be announced in it. But um, yeah, go ahead, go to our Libsyn site and there'll be a link to um, the main site of uh, Earth Destruction Directive and check it out and we'll have other podcasts for you in the, in the coming months. If, if you have a podcast that you'd like us to hear and possibly feature on our, um, on our feed, you know, um, s- send us an email and uh, we'll, we'll check it out and maybe we'll find uh, a- an episode to put up. All right, so enjoy. Attention, people of Earth, do not resist us. All who oppose us shall be annihilated. We command the most powerful army of monsters in the universe. They are sure to defeat your Earth monsters. All those who are hearing this are now under the control of the Earth Destruction Directive. 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 Hello, 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 and welcome everyone to episode 5 of Earth Destruction Directive. I am, as always, your host, the man who cannot die, the ghost who walks, Luke Giaconetti. I hope everyone enjoyed our previous episode where we discussed the Shinrei film Godzilla X Megagirus, 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 however you want to call that big, ugly dragonfly monster, Godzilla fought him in our last episode. Now, if you listened to our last episode, and I'm hoping you did, then you know that this episode, the movie, was going to be up to you guys to choose. And so I put out the call on various social networks and right here on the podcast to take your opinion on which uh, Showa era, original era, Gamera film we would watch. And the winner is Giant Monster Gamera, a.k.a. Gamera the Invincible, the original Gamera film, and we are going to get right into that, and we're going to check out how Gamera got his start and launched his career, for good or ill, right after this break. A ship gropes through the ice field of the Arctic. The expedition, with American and Canadian cooperation, seeks an open water route across the top of the continent, Henry Hudson's fabled Northwest Passage. There are no fables in the objective of Dr. Eiji Hidaka, the expedition zoologist. Ashore with two companions to survey the life of the region, they approach an Eskimo village, innocently unaware of the fabulous experiences ahead of them. All right, we are back on Earth Destruction Directive. Our film this time out is Giant Monster Gamera, a.k.a. Gamera the Invincible. Gamera was released in Japan in 1965 and made its way to the United States in December of 1966. It is from Dai Studios, as they used to say on Mystery Science Theater 3000, and was, of course, the first of the long-legged Gamera series. 
starring everybody's favorite monster hero turtle. Our story opens in the Arctic as a fishing and exploration vessel cuts through the ice to deliver a zoologist, uh, his assistant, and a photographer to a tiny Eskimo village where they were doing surveying and basically interviewing the group. And while this is going on, the crew and those visiting the village spot a wing of unmarked warplanes flying overhead. And they don't come right out and say it, but it's strongly implied to be Soviet warplanes. And American fighters are quickly scrambled to intercept, and when the Soviet planes don't respond, one of them is shot down and crashes. Now, normally this wouldn't be too big a deal, except this one's carrying an atomic bomb. And the nuclear explosion um, cracks the ice, and uprising from his uh, frozen tomb is the antediluvian giant turtle, Gamera. Now, Gamera doesn't waste much time, as he quickly uh, destroys the ship, leaving the only survivors being those who were in the fishing village, and then disappears into the sea. Back in civilization, there's a lot of speculation about Gamera, but it's uh, really thought that since he absorbed all the radiation from an atomic bomb, that he simply perished after he destroyed the ship. And um, Public interest quickly moves on to a series of UFO sightings all across the globe. Later on, though, Gamera reappears when he attacks a lighthouse in uh, on the coast of Japan, destroying it, but in the, uh, in the process proving that he's not dead. Also, we see Gamera save the little boy uh, Toshio, who would be Kenny in the U.S., in the Sandy Frank dub, anyway, thus starting out his uh, friend-of-all-children-everywhere routine. But Gamera, after he destroys the lighthouse, once again returns to the sea. He reappears not too long afterwards, though, attacking a geothermal plant. It's actually a really cool scene where he takes out this plant, because a geothermal plant, at least in Dai's uh, uh, design aesthetic, has giant smokestacks like a nuclear power plant, so it really looks like he's taking out a nuclear power plant, but it's specifically a geothermal plant. And as he causes uh, widespread destruction in the plant, uh, Gamera seems very content. He's rather happy to uh, wallow in the flames and the released energy, and he starts actually consuming the flames in a uh, very neat scene that would be repeated in a lot of other Gamera films. Instead of shooting flames out of his mouth, Gamera starts eating them. And it's theorized that uh, he's so ancient that he's not a carbon-based life form, that some other metal may make up the basis of his uh, anatomy, which is not only why he can consume energy and convert that into, um, you know, consume forms of energy directly and not instead of consuming matter, but he can also withstand anything the army throws at him. He resists uh, jets, bombs, artillery shelling, the whole nine. So because he is basically invincible, as the title suggests, uh, the army comes up with an idea to, instead of using fire and heat-based weapons against him, since that just seems to be feeding him, they take the suggestion of our resident zoologist scientist and use freeze bombs on him. And they successfully freeze him, but the, the catch is the freeze bombs only work for 10 minutes. So they freeze him, and while he's frozen, they, the uh, Japanese self-defense force apparently has a corps of engineers, like we saw in King Kong vs. Godzilla, and they very quickly set up a series of um, explosive charges all around him, and they blow up the hillside that he's on so that Gamera flips over onto his back, theorizing that, like any turtle, Gamera would be helpless while stuck on his back. Of course, this is Gamera, not just any old turtle, and he pulls his limbs and head inside his shell and begins to shoot rockets out of, his, out of the holes, spinning around like a UFO and taking off flying. 
For the next few days, Gamera is spotted in UFO form all across the globe, but he doesn't put back down onto Earth until one night when he attacks Haneda Airport out of absolutely nowhere and then proceeds from the airport to wipe out a good portion of Tokyo. Uh, the army basically is in a uh, retreating action now. There's nothing they can do to stop him. They don't have any more freeze weapons, and none of their conventional weapons work. So they're just falling back and trying to direct him, but, you know, he's Gamera. He's going wherever he wants, and having a grand old time causing carnage and then eating all of the uh, fire and energy that's being released as he does it. Finally, the international community uh, concocts Plan Z. And Plan Z is their only hope for defeating Gamera because no weapon can harm him. And if they attacked him with an atomic bomb, it would simply make him stronger. So uh, Gamera is at a refinery, and he is having lots of fun blowing up the sections of refineries like a Jun Fukuda movie. And the uh, army produces a lure by setting out large... Um, barrels full of, uh, full of oil and flammable materials and lighting them on fire and luring him to this island where they have built uh, the Plan Z project. And it's actually kind of funny because uh, they set the, the lures going and then uh, a big wind uh, blows in and it, blow, it snuffs out all the lures. So Gamera turns around and starts walking away. So then our reporter friend who survived the initial attack, he starts lighting all of the buildings and everything on fire on the island. And so that starts luring Gamera back. And then the wind starts blowing again and turns into a big storm, which they had teased earlier in the, uh, in the film. And so that, the storm then wipes out all the flames, and Gamera turns around again. And then finally, as if to you know, just be icing on the cake, the volcano, which makes up the island, erupts. And all that heat and energy draws Gamera like a moth to the flame, or like a turtle to the flame, if you prefer. And he finally comes to the island. There, using flame projectors, uh, Gamera is directed into a cavern, and he is on the Plan Z platform. And when they get him on the platform, up snaps two halves of the tip of a rocket capsule, and Gamera is launched into space, heading to Mars, where he can no longer cause any damage. And it's Sayonara Gamera, and that's our story. I, I hadn't seen uh, the original Gamera in, in some time, and certainly not in a long time in non-Mitsy form. So I was just really pleasantly surprised at how well this movie has held up. A lot of times, uh, I, at least personally, I dismiss the original Gamera because, you know, it's, it's Gamera. I mean, I, I like a lot of the other ones, but I always kind of thought the first one was kind of weak. Um, but this one really, I thought, watching it now, especially watching it, uh, watching both the original Japanese version, which you can get on DVD finally from, uh, Shout Factory. Shout Factory has released uh, all of the original Gamera film, uh, subtitles. And watching the, um, original Gamera the Invincible, the public domain cut, as opposed to the really bad Sandy Frank cut from the 80s, um, really improved my opinion of this film uh, overall. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a nice, uh, you know, monster-on-the-loose uh, romp, and I think it, it held up pretty well. Um, interestingly, this film does draw a lot of direct correlations with Beasts from 20,000 Fathoms, which, of course, was an indirect, and some would say direct, inspiration on the original Godzilla. Uh, the bomb going off in the Arctic, and they're releasing the prehistoric monster from an icy tomb. I mean, these are direct correlations to the Retosaurus from Beasts from 20,000 Fathoms. Um, 
as I, there's not nothing wrong with that. I mean, a giant turtle's got to come from someplace, right? It just struck me as uh, odd. It was the first thing I thought of. My my father's a big Harryhausen fan, so I, of course, am a big Harryhausen fan as well, and that was the first thing I thought of. Interesting thing about this film is it's very economic, and by that I mean Gamera appears less than eight minutes into this film. He destroys the ship less than 12 minutes into the film, and from there it's just go, go, go. Even the American, um, the Gamera the Invincible cut, which is actually 10 minutes longer than the Japanese cut, if you can believe that. Um, now, they excise a couple of expeditionary scenes and, and added in insert shots, and some of the, most of the insert shots are pretty boring, but uh, they get the point across, you know, it's pretty hammy. There's actually one insert shot which is absolutely hilarious. It is a point-counterpoint-style TV show with... Um, a, a, a two scientists and they just argue for like five straight minutes and it is hilarious these two guys arguing it's there's not a whole lot of comic relief in this movie in any version but that one is really amusing and i really like it and it sort of sets kind of the lighter tone that this film has versus um you know some of toho's efforts from this era which we're starting to get a little bit silly but we're still tying back to the original a bit strongly um, let's see. Some, okay, the special effects, let me address them. They're actually pretty decent. Most Gamera films get knocked for having bad special effects, and compared to the Toho efforts, they really are very poor. But really, in the grand scheme of things, they're not that bad. They're about, I would say, the level of the television effects from this era. They're comparable to an episode of Ultraman or Kamen Rider in that respect, and nothing wrong with that. One of the main things that stands out is that, um, you know, a technique that was used over and over in the Godzilla series was if you overcrank the camera when you're shooting the monsters, when you then roll it back to 24 frames a second, it adds mass to them because they move a little bit slower and they're a bit more lumbering and they look bigger. Whereas here, as was the case in most television productions, they shoot it at real time. So you never get the, you never don't have the feeling that Gamera is not a guy in a suit stomping around the set, but there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, this is a Gamera movie. I'm willing to accept that, you know. And there's actually some really nice uh, composition effects, which uh, I was surprised by. When Gamera attacks the uh, ship at the beginning, um, you know, we've got Gamera on the ice and the ship, uh, a model ship, and then in the foreground we see the sailors abandoning ship and running away, and it's actually really well done. It's all done in one shot. It's not an obvious, um, you know, rear projection or anything. It looks really nice. And then later in the film, when Gamera is destroying Tokyo, we get a, a very nice shot of him walking through the, the Tokyo skyline with the flames engulfing the city. It looks very similar to a, to a shot from the original Godzilla, and it's very well put together. Uh, the black and white does help a bit here. I know in the special features on the uh, Shot Factory DVD, they uh, one of the I think it's one of the, I think it's one of the uh, producers of the film says that they shot in black and white because it would make things simpler. Uh, for their first time doing a giant monster film, it would black and white helps cover up a lot of things, and I think they did pretty good. Um, like I said, there, there's some nice effects in there. I always particularly like the flamethrower that they use for Gamera's fire breath. You know, it's uh, certainly a different look than um, the, the mist or the optical effect that Godzilla would have for his atomic breath, and it does allow for the eating of fire, which is uh, always fun. There's also uh, one scene in here with Gamera walking on all fours. These all, this always looks weird. Always looks weird, no matter what. Um, he's just so flat. He's so flat. He, he looks too too thin climbing on all fours, but I don't know. Your mileage may vary on that one. 
speaking of uh, connections with the original Godzilla, uh, it's funny, at one point um, when Gamera is attacking the geothermal plant, uh, they decide to hook up the power lines and send all of the output of the plant to the power lines to try and stop them, and he stomps right through them. It's like, yeah, we've seen Godzilla. We know we're going to try putting up power lines to stop our monster. And it is similarly ineffective, like it was in Godzilla. Um, some some odd bits at when Gamera's attacking the refinery, he's near a train uh, a train track, and so what they the army does is they load up tank like tanker cars and crash them into him, causing big fireballs. It's like why would you attack him with fire at this point? You've already proven that he eats fire. I mean, I know the JSDF doesn't get a whole lot of action other than defending Japan against giant monsters, but You'd think they'd have some better tactics than that. And uh, at, when they froze Gamera, the first thing I thought was freezing Gamera. Was Barragan watching this? Because, of course, in the next film, Barragan would do the exact same thing with his freeze breath. He would freeze Gamera solid during their first fight. Um, it's almost as if they were really trying to establish freezing as Gamera's main weakness. Kind of like the blob in that sense. Um, Barragan is much more effective than the army is at freezing Gamera, I'd like to point out. But we'll talk about that when we get to that film. Now, to address the 800-pound gorilla in the room, the whole subplot with Toshio, or Kenny, and his love of turtles is really dumb. Uh, it's dumb in the Japanese version, it's dumb in the Gamera the Invincible version, and it's even more dumb in the Sandy Frank version. Um, just an aside, Sandy Frank, of course, uh, was an American uh, film distributor who took uh, the Gamera films and several other Japanese properties in the 80s and dubbed them with new uh, um, new vocal tracks and released them. Uh, the Sandy Frank dubs are the versions of the Gamera films that were screened on Mystery Science Theater 3000. And I did not watch the Sandy Frank dub because the Sandy Frank dubs are terrible, and I recommend you avoid them at all costs. But I will come to that uh, in a little bit. But anyway, the stuff with Toshio and his turtle, maybe this made more sense in the 60s in Japan this kid obsessed with turtles to the point that he's, you know, screwing up military operations to try and get near Gamera. It's, I don't know. I, I guess it's it's kind of an element to appeal to, to children at the time. It doesn't hold up. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, you know, the it, it's very telling that this entire aspect, and in fact the friend-to-children aspect, would be dropped in the second film altogether before making a comeback in the third film. Um I guess the idea that Gamera is not all bad, uh, that he's, you know, he's a monster on the loose, but it's not his fault, and that, you know, he really only wants to eat, that point is made at, at one point in the film, that he's at his happiest when he has fire to eat, and he doesn't want to leave there until he, he runs out of food. So I can understand that, and, and that does tie in with the sort of humane way that Gamera is defeated. You know, they don't, they don't kill him, they don't develop a super weapon like the oxygen destroyer, they shoot him out into space. Now, of course, this has practical considerations also. You don't have to resurrect Gamera if he's not dead when you make the sequel. Uh, but really, there's no two ways around it. The whole thing with the kid is dumb. Nothing is going to improve it. Now that I've watched the Japanese version, it's dumb in that version, too. So you just got to grin and bear it. You know, you got to deal with uh, some silly stuff sometimes to watch a monster movie. And that's the silly stuff for this one. Um recommendations, uh, as I said, if you want the Japanese one, it's available from Shout Factory. Very nice disc. Only English subtitles. There is no English language Shrek at all on the film. Um, there's some nice special features. There's a, uh, a short documentary about the uh, history of the development of the Gamera series, which features uh, 
the uh, now legendary Gamera versus Garasharp uh, animatic. If you uh, if you want to check that out and you don't have the DVD, go to uh, shrineofgamera.com, and the uh, the host there has uh, he has the Gamera versus Garasharp animatic. Up, which is, which sounds like a pretty neat a movie, to be completely honest. I uh, wish at some point they would have made that. Um, you know, maybe maybe they can make that now as an anniversary film or something. That would be a novel twist. Um, if you're not so uh, for the American version, the Sandy Frank one is out of print. Uh, you can certainly find it on video on eBay and the like, but I don't recommend that. Uh, the it's it is the complete Japanese version just dubbed, but the dub is really stupid and it's just not worth tracking down. If you like I said if you've seen the Misty episode with Gamera, this is the version they watch. And the uh, I'd also like to point out that the the riffing that they gave all of Sandy Frank's films is why in addition to the riffing they gave Sandy Frank himself is why you will never see those released uh, in the official Misty box sets. Sandy Frank has refused to work with them whatsoever. I mean, when you release a song the Sandy Frank song that goes, Sandy Frank, Sandy Frank, he's the source of all our pain. You know, it just goes downhill from there. Um, not real surprising. Uh, but if you want the American version, I would recommend uh, finding the uh, one of the many copies available of Gamera the Invincible, which, as I said, was the original American version and has fallen into the public domain. Note that Gamera the Invincible has two M's in his name. Uh, they were concerned that people in the United States would say Gamera, so they put the other M in there to say Gamera. Now you you might laugh and say, well that's stupid. Who would say that? Well, of course, in the AI in the original American version of War of the Monsters of the second film, uh, Gamera is called Gamera the entire time. So clearly there was some uh, uh, there was some rationale behind that, and it was a reasonable expectation. But uh, Alpha Video has a, um, a a very nice version. I mean, it's all relatively nice. It's a public domain film, but Theirs has a real nice piece of cover art on it, which uh, is always a plus. Uh, Alpha Video is www.oldies.com. They have uh, all of the public domain cameras available, actually, and lots of other public domain uh, sci-fi, horror, western, all that type of uh, uh, film. And if you're really cheap, you can go to archive.org and watch Gamera the Invincible for free. And uh, I have actually posted the film on the website. So if you go to earthdestructiondirective.blogspot.com, uh, you look back a few posts, you will find I posted the uh, entire film. So you can go and watch Gamera the Invincible at your leisure on my website. Uh, closing thoughts, if you haven't seen uh, uh, Gamera or Gamera the Invincible, whichever you prefer, in non-ripped format, track it down. It's uh, it's not a long film. Um, the Japanese version runs 75 minutes, the American version 85 minutes. Uh, you know, it's a fun afternoon. It's certainly one, again, that the kids will probably like. It does have a kid protagonist in it. Um, you know, it's in black and white, but, you know, I don't care about black and white, and you shouldn't either because uh, that doesn't really impact the film as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but, yeah, check it out. It's it's definitely a fun monster romp, better than I remember it being, and um, worth to your time and consideration. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to be right back here on the Earth Destruction Directive. Wait, please, Dr. Daka. You look, you take his very old stone about cloud of death. It's a primitive carving of a protochelonian. A what? An ancestral turtle, like the leatherback. Tell me, Chief, is there a legend connected with this? Yes. Old story of death and evil things that happened of Gamera. <laughs> Gamera, you call it. This Gamera is obviously an object of terror. 
Okay, we're back here on Earth Destruction Directive. Going to close the show up now. And what are we going to be watching next time, you might be asking? Well, uh, we're going to get back into the Showa Godzilla series next time. And using my handy-dandy random number generator, we are going to be watching Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla, a.k.a. Godzilla vs. the Cosmic Monster from 1974. This is the first appearance of Mechagodzilla. Also features the first appearance of uh, King Caesar, of all monsters. Um, this one is, you know, not one of my favorites, but I'm hoping if I watch it again, uh, maybe I'll look at it with a fresh set of eyes and uh, come away with a new appreciation of it. Uh, is available from Sony on DVD if you are interested in watching it and sending us feedback. We certainly would love to hear feedback about um, what you think about the debut of the Mechagodzilla, one of Godzilla's most popular and enduring foes. Speaking of feedback, no emails to read this week. Please send your emails. I'm imploring you to earthdestructiondirective at yahoo.com. Any feedback you send in, I will read on the air. So get cracking there, Internet. And uh, even if you just want to say, Dear Luke, you are a pig, I'll read it online. I'll read it on the show. So, uh, of course, any podcast, uh, any podcast uh, author or podcast broadcaster, I don't know what the podcaster, I guess, is the, the noun for that, will tell you that getting feedback is the best, uh, the best feeling in the world because you know that people are out there listening and that they have some kind of thought, be it good or ill, about what you're producing. So please uh, send in feedback. The home for Earth Destruction Directive on the Internet is earthdestructiondirective.blogspot.com where you will, as always, find links to all of our past episodes along with anything else kaiju-related that I decide to put up. Uh, as I said earlier in the show, we do have the full version of Gamera the Invincible up for your viewing pleasure uh, on the blog now, so please go check that out. And if you leave a comment or uh, thoughts, I'll be sure to respond to them and maybe even, hey, read those on the show. I'm looking to make things as easy as possible for you, my valued listeners. Uh, okay, so next time it is going to be Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla, a.k.a. Godzilla vs. Cosmic Monster, if you're uh, old school like me. And I hope you all check us out. So this is Luke Giaconetti signing off. Well, it's big and terrible. More frightening than I ever thought possible.